Hello and welcome. You're listening to episode number six of Inglorious Artists podcast with me, Peter Holland. I'm an actor and other things, and on this show, I'm talking to other creative people. Uh, may it be actors, musicians, artists of all sorts, and talking about their craft and their career, or maybe even lack thereof. This time, I'm talking to musician Mikael Passion, who's the bass player and singer in the band Veneria. And I know him because we used to play a little bit together in a band in the beginning of the noughties. And uh, no, you have not heard of us, probably. But you may have heard of Venaria because they have actually sold records and been touring all over the world. So here we go. Bass Michael Pajon. And let's go. I'm rocking. And you're rocking in the free world. <laughs> if this is the free world. All right, we're in the middle of uh, moving chaos because I'm moving tomorrow. Uh, so a pile of boxes and some microphones. Let's do this. I'll be helping. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I hope so. Well, I'm going to have a lot of Santa's little helpers. Uh, I haven't had any need for movers myself in 20 years so during these 20 years i've helped a lot of people move so now i just cash in uh yeah and i'm here with uh with uh, michael passion uh also known as bass michael <laughs> i've never actually heard that in english before but i like it you never heard it in english <laughs> no someone actually said bass michael once which i like more <laughs> i would really identify myself with a large sea animal <laughs> <laughs> if you were to be a large sea animal that's not the one i would no pick. i'd be a kraken of course oh yeah <laughs> release the kraken release the base michael uh yeah and of course you have that epitaph because uh you play the bass and you're great at playing the bass but not also that you uh, one of our mutual friends once uh, called you a multi-instrumentalist michael just to i'm a multi-mentalist a multi-mentalist <laughs> And um, most known, uh, if we're going to call it that, for the band Venaria. Uh, tell us, tell me about that. What, how did, how long have you guys been going, and how did that start up, and whatever? They started in 1990, I think. Bunch of friends from school played punk. They, so you weren't covers. I joined in '91. Oh, okay. I, uh, I played in another band. We supported them, and I liked them more. We. I met the guys at a at a gig, uh, watching some other bands. I think it was Psychotic Youth, and uh, we didn't know. All right, there were. Are there actually four people our age into punk at our school? <laughs> <laughs> so I joined them, and we sort of kicked the metal guy out, and uh, okay. start, started writing songs. Yeah, uh, yeah, that seems kind of unusual because metal seems to be the the more common one when it comes to definitely like, in small town Sweden. And yeah, this was, uh, way before the the big bang of '94 with like Green Day and Bad Religion and all that. I mean, they were around. I liked them yeah. at that time. Bad Religion has you know been one of my favorite bands since the '80s, but <clears throat> in the punk genre, but uh, they weren't very well known in Sweden, at least mm. small town Sweden. Mm. So. Uh, Punk was sort of out at that point and considered uh, sort of throwback freaks. Mm. <laughs> and people didn't really know about the music at all. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we started playing and uh, writing songs in '91, and we were back then uh, inspired very much by the sort of more humorous side of the punk spectrum, like uh, the Ramones, the Hard Ons, Toy Dolls, even. Mm. And we were sort of that age, 15, 16. So we wrote about lots of silly stuff. <laughs> and as we grew older, we got slightly less silly. <laughs> sure, as <laughs> yeah. you, as you do, uh, slightly less silly, maybe more political and. Yeah, slightly, mm. uh, and uh, but we sort of we were very successful in uh, say '95. We released a, a record called "Shake Your Booty," which is we were still young enough to be a bit silly, which I think helped with the mm. popularity because it was sort of jaunty and easy to get into, and lots of sing along stuff. And mm. but we weren't as childish as we had been so that was a good time and it was also co- it's coincided with those other big bands breaking through uh, a lot of swedish bands came up around that time as when we did they started about the same time as tank surfers no fun at all mill and oh uh, yeah yeah so uh so you were part we of that were, wave yeah we were on like the same compilation records and we played the same gigs a lot and yeah hung on the coattails of that shaky booty actually sold like fifty thousand records at Oh, which yeah. was insane for like yeah, yeah. pretty much self-released on a tiny label and you know became pretty popular uh worldwide even though it didn't have any distribution so mm, mm. then we signed to signed to a german label because they ordered so many of our records some that would that we just ran out and then they sold out and then people had to yeah. wait to get the record logical next step yeah so, so and it. it went from there but then then uh, people stopped buying cds and records <laughs> Well, that was way. <laughs> that's where we are now. Yeah, well, that was so way we, later. <laughs> so now we're sort of uh, touring every once in a while. Uh, we're part of some big tours in the like 15 years ago, like the Vans Off the Wall Festival packet, and played with some other major bands. And there was a time where we could be- basically be out on the road for a couple of months and, and make a fairly good living doing that. Mm. Maybe doing some temp work when we were at home. But then we got into the age where. You know, we're all got, you know, families and jobs and it wasn't really a viable option anymore. So now it's more like hobby music, which too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another local band. We still play uh, a lot abroad. A lot of people come and see us, but no one buys the records. So no. th- th- there'll be like a, a gig where 2,000 people are singing along to your new songs, but like 300 people have bought the record. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. there's actually no way of measuring. Unless we're out playing, we don't know. Does anyone know us? No idea. It's like when uh, when Scorpions went to Moscow and they hadn't sold like a single record in the whole of Russia, but when they got there, everybody was still... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, we're hmm, like something happened. We're actually more like Saxon, to be honest. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> Uh, more fair comparison, I guess. So the, the first label was, you said, like small, almost self, uh, self-released. self Was it your own label? No, it was like, a, a, it was a label in Norrköping. They'd, they'd only done one compilation record, which we were on, I think. Mm. Uh, and then they started releasing like mini CDs from the bands on the compilation, mm. just locally, but basically to cash in on, on the, the popular bands that started breaking through. Yeah. And uh, they'd done nothing like that before. They were just, they had this like youth home. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and let's start to release these kids. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but how would you say you guys found or bro- broke through found fame? If how, how, how did that happen back in those days, you, you would say? 
Back then, it was, it was because of those bigger bands that cr- sort of crossed over and had major hits like Green Day and Bad Religion. And, of course, that was on the coattails of Nirvana. There was mm. Mm. a couple of years. It, it's still weird because I remember, I mean, we were releasing stuff at the same time as Nirvana, and they're like this legendary mm. band, and people sort of think of them as this ancient Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. But for me, like, they were just another band. It's like sort of colleagues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. But they, yeah, they were another underground band from America. I remember liking their first record and telling my mates to listen to that, and no one would be interested. Mm. Oh, it sounds too dirty, or they're, that's mm-hmm. not interesting. And then when Nevermind came out and they had some hits, they were like, have you heard Nirvana? Yes, I have, you bastard. I've liked them for years. <laughs> I liked them before it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> hipster. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm a hipster. Well, oh, I, I do have a hip. Sure. <laughs> have you, would you say you've done kind of the same style of music since back then? Like the melodic punk, you know, yeah. hardcore punk? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's because the cover of Shake Your Booty looks like it would be some kind of like funk soul record material. Yeah. Like a, it's a drawn dude with an afro. And a skateboard. Of, skateboard, yeah. Yeah, it's just a mate. He did our first record. Our first record there was, uh, he did like cartoon figures of the band. Mm. The first one's awful, by the way. Classic, yeah. Uh, I've done that. <laughs> so we do another record, and we figured, okay, do you have something? And he showed us these pictures, and that was the Afro dude. So, oh, great. Okay, Because in, in the very silly song, Shake Your Booty, it, it's sort of about how going out to dance, which was nicer before, even though it's a punk record, mm. it's like before we had these great bands to go out to, now it's sort of shit. So okay. bring back the, <laughs> the Bee Gees or whatever. Mm. So it sort of fit with that song, but... Uh, mm. And there's a skateboard, and it had sort of skate punk sure. connotations. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. I guess back then, uh, skateboarders listened to more one type of music than today, I guess. Yeah, it start, I mean, they've always changed their musical styles. Remember, Metallica mm. was a skate band at one point. I mean, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Well, that I understand well, it was better. A skate band, I mean, before yeah. they broke through. I mean, people listen yeah. to that. And, but they skate themselves, don't they? Yeah, so do some people in our band. Yeah, well, sure. No, but I'm thinking like... I have like skated as well. I mean... Did they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Okay. No, I mean... Shows what I know. It's not, you know, folklore anymore. uh, (laughs) Or at least I think it. I've I've seen them with skateboards. Maybe they were just designed... Ah, okay. Just posing with them. Yeah, possibly. But (laughs) I have not hung out with Metallica and I have no intention to. No, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever been a skater yourself? Uh, No, tried. I'm not Mm. that physical... Okay. To begin with, <laughs> tried and failed. Yeah, <laughs> that's about what I did as well. I, I, I when it was uh, coming up, like po- being popular in the beginning of the nineties, I, I got one of those really cheap plastic skateboards. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I lived in the countryside, and uh, there was like a gravelly road to mm-hmm. our house. I had to walk Perfect. quite a bit to get to asphalt, <laughs> and then I was out among people, so I didn't really want to be seen not knowing what the fuck I was doing. So I, it, it kind of ended there, started and ended within a week. Yep. Well, I never really started for me, but I never had like a moped or whatever oh, people did. That I did because I, I'm countryside. Phys- physical stuff like that, really. I'm more of a mm. psychic kick. <laughs> psychic kick. <laughs> Mika Passion, the psychic kick. <laughs> like a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had a moped because you know countryside. Mm. It, it had to happen, uh, and it was. What's uh, the English word for "epatractor"? 
Is there one? <laughs> I, I mean, that thing. It's like a pickup truck for children, basically. <laughs> what is, yeah, what, what is that? It's the big thing in the Swedish countryside. You yeah. can drive it before you have a driver's license, basically. Can't you? It's a pickup truck that you rebuild to like hang kind of low. or Yeah, it's like a hip-hopper's uh, pickup <laughs> truck. <laughs> but yeah. with hillbillies. Yeah. <laughs> and it, uh, it's a really strange phenomenon. I, I never got it, and uh, it can't be something that exists anywhere outside of Sweden, I guess. Uh, or do they have it in Finland, maybe? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. could be worldwide underground phenomenon. Uh, okay, maybe. Where did it come from, though? Yeah, well, so, you, of course, started that band because you were into that kind of music and so on, but one thing I find interesting about you is that you really have a love of music, Uh like in a wide, you cast a wide net. You love all kinds of music, all, almost. So, I mean, I, if you talk to a lot of people in hardcore punk bands, they may not be into country music and yeah, uh, right. blues or what, even jazz or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, but you, you're into a lot of things. And you're into a lot of things, like, deep. You, <laughs> you, you seem to have a very wide and deep fandom at the same time, wouldn't you say? I am very wide. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you are physical. <laughs> so, what, what? When you were, when you were a kid, when what was the first? Uh, what was uh, the first uh, instigator? What made you be into music? What was your first love in music when you were a kid? Well, I was, I guess, about two years old or something like that. I had uh, this. Uh, my, my grandma's blind brother, who was a fisherman, uh, mm. he played the accordion, and he would uh, go around in like old people's homes and sing these uh, sea shanties and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and folk tunes. Mm. And uh, at home, I, I liked singing along to that, so he took me along. So that was my sort of first sort of performance. All right. <laughs> uh, so I've, I've always liked singing and. and playing music with others and in front of others and mm. yeah and um so you were like a live musician even uh, just even a couple before of before i had a musical instrument yeah yeah sort of uh, that's cool and then i started fiddling about with things like the recorder and bought a guitar when i could when i was that age and started playing different things i liked metal at that time because that's what young young swedes were into if they didn't like the radio stuff. It was pretty mm. much the only alternative. Because, you know, in the 80s, there was no way of me for finding out about, like, the Pixies, even if that was later, but or, mm-hmm. like, The Fall or The Smiths. You, you just mm. couldn't hear them. Okay. Uh, so okay. there was, like, the, the short stuff, and there was metal. So I chose metal that was more interesting and a bit weirder. Yeah. And funnier, not not <laughs> not least. I was, like, it was uh, p- big time. I was really into playing with Smurfs and listening to Kiss when I was little. <laughs> I was, like, perfect. It is perfect. <laughs> they both look like they have makeup on. <laughs> yeah, like, every every kid should have that. It was sort of, sort of an imaginary world and mm. silly. Silliness and imagination is good. I think that's yeah. the root of, of my interest in music, really. Uh, and I started making up my own songs, and I did with mates when I was, like, three or four years old with makeup songs mm. and that's just kept going and uh, what i like about playing music isn't being like a technical uh i don't appreciate uh well played music that's just for the technicality of it like uh, some jazz or some stuff like that 
Or, not if it's just showy offy or, mm. or just oh that's difficult. I love that. It's, ah. But but it can be great if it, if it also has personality, like Richard Thompson, who is like, oh, insanely yeah. talented, but also really original, and he throws some weird mm. shit out there. Mm. And, and, mm. Uh, but if the song wouldn't be good, and, and he couldn't carry a tune, and it like he does all these things mm. brilliantly while also presenting something original and interesting. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been interested. Hmm. Uh, so my focus never been to be good at any instrument. I've never took like lessons. I've just picked up a bass and had fun with it. Yeah. And some people enjoy what I do, which is great. But I don't really have an ambition to to learn what I don't know. <laughs> mm. I just mm. play it and have fun. It, mm. It's just basically suspended adolescence. I, I'm being a kid still mm. playing. Mm. People don't really think about what the word playing means. It's not just playing music. You're playing with your little childhood friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's doing mm, that. Mm, mm. And also, exploring. every kid yeah. is an artist in the way that they make up stuff all the time. They paint mm. and they draw and, and, and they make up little rhymes. Mm. But people stop doing that because they go to school and people tell them, you have to do what this says here on the page. Yeah, yeah. And they stop being creative, whereas I've tried not to do that mm. all the time. Okay. I enjoy that too, but mm. uh, writing is being imaginative in a way that a kid and, and playing with people, being in a band is like playing with your childhood friends. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like you just did an, like an analogy uh, between like punk and technical music. Like you, you just described classical training versus being a punk musician. Yeah, and there's ne not necessarily... Uh, anything that differentiates you there are a lot of really fantastic punk musicians as well mm. uh but i like naivety and and people who don't play so well if they're original and have something you know something new to offer mm. and you can be fucking brilliant technically and have nothing new and it's still good mm -hmm. <laughs> there's no formula is what i'm trying to say no no uh, mm. But but that's the the reason I can I guess get into this lots of different kinds of music because I don't have these criteria. Mm, mm. Uh, that's recorded too shabbily, or that's recorded too good. And, mm. Oh, that has an auto tuner, so I can't listen to it. I don't care if it's yeah. You try not to go into. I like uh, tunes, no, yeah, and I like listening to new stuff. And and you say I go deep as well as wide. I've always been a nerd in that way. I, mm. I discovering like the last big discovery I did was Guided by Voices and Robert Pollard. Okay, never I, heard of. <laughs> right, I have had neither last year, and turns out uh, he's well. I think there's it's like close to three thousand songs now mm -hmm. that I, I'm familiar with of his. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> he he they he just released his hundredth album. Uh, How can you exist somewhere in the world making that all that music and not be well known? I mean, oh, they were sort of well known in the in the mid '90s. I'd say almost legendary. But but okay, well, sort of not, not well enough for me to know it. No, but, yeah. again, we it were much. small town Sweden. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and well, so he's and that's also taken sort of a toll on my own creative process because mm -hmm. making something up is interesting and fun because mm. it's a new song and I'm into songs. But listening to a new song that I like is, is just as valid for me. So mm, if I've got yeah. 2,000 new songs to listen to, I'm not going to sit down and write one because I'll have <laughs> to do that after I've gone through those 2,000 uh, that I want to hear. Uh, 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 but on the other hand, after those 2,000, when I write a song, 
I've got another 2,000 songs in my <laughs> experience to draw from on my next one. All right, b <laughs> because you do get, uh, you're inspired by what you've heard. Oh, yeah. Mm. Everyone is. Everyone is inspired, yeah. by, inspired by everything, basically. And you find something you like. And exactly. But I think for some that reason, some some artists try to uh, stay away from experiencing too much stuff. I heard like... David I've done that with punk, actually, recently. Because uh, okay. it's just because we've been playing for so long and it's sort of... I, I don't want to change the sound of that band. It's a bit like ACDC. If they would have made a country record, I mean, no one would be interested. Mm. Or maybe people probably would be interested and laugh at it, but still. <laughs> Depends on how well it turned out, probably. Mm, yeah, I would well, be interested if, to hear an ACDC. If you do something good, and that, <laughs> it's fine. You know, they've got that band, they got that brand for whatever it is. They can branch out a little, but... Mm. And it sort of feels like that for us. We It's fun to do what we do. I don't want branch out i can play with some others if i want to play some other music mm. but since it is sort of samey uh i wouldn't listen to that stuff all the time so i've sort of cut down on my punk listening all right uh, mm. for that reason because mm. i heard like i think it was david bowie who said when he's writing a new album he doesn't listen to any other music mm -hmm. so he like isolates himself in a bubble so he won't be uh yeah influenced by other stuff. I probably would have to do that as well. Hmm. But then again, I it's now all hobby for me. So I uh, I don't have deadlines. I don't have like that you have two months to write a new record. Hmm. So I'm free to listen to Yeah. That's a luxury <laughs> and a, instead. That's a luxury and a curse. Yeah. Not to have that. Well it's not a curse because there's no pressure on me to write new songs ever. Well I wrote two songs hmm. yesterday. Wow. But it could go like <laughs> Six months until I write the next one. Yeah, yeah. And fine. Yeah. Well, I'm saying a curse because, uh, I mean, I can re recognize myself in this because I, I just do music for a hobby as well. But, mm -hmm. it, but not having an actual deadline for somebody else just means that I never release anything because I just, no, this is still not done. I'm still not happy with this. And uh, yeah, it just sits around. So, yeah, that happens with some of my stuff as well. But, but what's, what's bad about that? There's, uh, there's, it's a, well, it's in English this, but there's a Swedish comedy group from from the 70s, 80s, Galenskaparna. Oh yeah, they had a song. Det är alldeles för mycket musik och här en låt till fan. There's way too much music, and here's another song. Fuck, like something like that. And uh, I agree uh, with them actually. Yeah, there's too much <laughs> on the market. So if I don't have enough material to put out a good record. I'm sort of doing the world a service, not putting it on marketplace. That's a good <laughs> I'm way. To... I'm satisfied. Yeah, and there's enough other good stuff to listen to. Mm. Okay, <laughs> so you're saying that by me not releasing my stuff, I'm doing like a humanitarian effort. Well, yeah, until you've done something you're happy with, I'm keeping it away so from when the world. It's finally, out there will be something great, and you then that will be a, in service of humanity. Yeah, maybe <laughs> or maybe not. I mean, there's something for doing something quickly, creatively, and just getting it out there, uh, opposed to letting things marry. Yeah, that's and just become... my favorite way of working. Yeah, but yeah. It, but if you force it, it's no good. <laughs> that's the thing. I, we just, hmm. I started a new band with some guys from other bands. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know, two months ago, maybe. And we've done, I think, 11 songs. We do like two or three songs mm -hmm. per per rehearsal 
Well, that's <laughs> and then when, productive. When, when we've come to like 12 or 15, we thought, okay, now we'll do the record. Hmm. And we won't try to, you know, get support slots or local gigs. And now it's just, you know, fun playing. and It's for you. And it's also really fun that we've decided, we haven't did, we hadn't decided on a sound, so there'd be like a a, a punkish song. There'll be a, like one that sounds a bit like the Cardigans. There's one like Weezer. One that's a little bit metal. There's a total singer songwriter song. Oh, okay. sounds a bit like Springsteen, and we just throw it in there. So n- there's nothing that holds it together. Like yeah, it's the same guys playing it. Sure, which would make it kind of gel together in some I hope, some I unified hope it would. form. Yeah. And it's still sort of. Even though I'm thinking, oh, right, that sounds like a Weezer riff. I think I'll sing a Weezerish chorus to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still my melodies. It's, it's still my weird head interpreting Weezer. So people yeah. might not even think of Weezer. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, yeah. I, and I had that ex- uh, exact thing. when I, yeah. I, I, I've been inspired by something written and tried to almost not mimic, but really be inspired by. And they... And then somebody says, oh, this sounds like a blah, blah, something else. Uh, and yeah. I, I'm like, okay, I didn't even realize. But there we go. Um, so you, you wouldn't even be able to call yourself this kind of band. You have no genre you could put yourself in at all. Yeah, there's a, a bass player we, we've talked to. Because now it's just uh, I play guitar with another guy and, and I sing and there's a drummer. <clears throat> and we... We're going to bring a bass player in, but now it's sort of working, just writing songs quickly. And we thought we'd get him rehearsed when we get the songs finished. Mm. And But we sent him the songs and he liked them, but he's worried that a little bit too poppy because he considers himself a rocker. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So we can see, maybe he can like rock it up a little. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's... That and, is- and I can pop it down. Okay, <laughs> pop it, pop it down. Is that a phrase? Well, it is now. It is now. Yeah. Well, genres are so strange, especially nowadays, because I think musical genres have been intermingling and merging and gelling and stuff. It's so it's kind of difficult even to say what genre stuff is today, and especially also since genres have changed. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully it'll go full circle to to you know the '60s when it was just pop music. Yeah, meaning popular music and exactly they didn't have the you know the the, the psych and, and the neo blues and maybe the yeah I mean I like my, my favorite kind of music I think is if you're gonna put a broad stroke on it popular popular music but f- from before 1980 uh-huh. and uh, that's not what but I can't say that I like pop music because then it would be misunderstood if you get what I mean. Because yeah. today that's a different thing, and at same at same time, I I mean I loved soul and R and B in the '60s, but I don't like R and B today because it's a different genre of music, almost completely. I think. Yeah, it's it's really strange. And the same thing you said the the guy was more of a rocker. It's it, it's so much of a of an identity uh, attached to genres. But if you really dig into it, sometimes you might find that. Well, you do like this too, but you 
don't want to because it ha- it has another label. So labels can be hurtful, kind of. And- Possibly, yeah, uh, yeah. Quite often, I think is that I, I understand the need to label stuff. I mean, what are, mm. what else would reviewers do? Yeah, <laughs> sure. And how would we find find more stuff? Well, one thing uh, we'd I think like? is interesting. I think reviewers are still getting paid to do their work, but no one's buying the record. So how can people pay to? have people review them <laughs> I think that's to, a, to that's get a more conundrum. yeah <laughs> to get more hits on spotify maybe not that that pays yeah, possibly uh, a lot but, and digital download downloads again, like, uh, what, what, itunes buys i'm I thinking of a whole steady song he sings uh everyone's a critic and most people are djs <laughs> that's a good quote <laughs> most people are djs especially now with you know the bloggers and yeah 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 exactly <laughs> but you don't have any music in this show so uh I can't well maybe i mean i have guitars around and so if you want to pick one up later then uh, that would be great <laughs> but uh, i was thinking about if we're still on the, the genre th- thing i was thinking of a story that uh, happened a lot of years ago when i was sitting around with a bunch of friends who were all of them were hard rock dudes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was actually one of my neighbors at the time, just above us right now. Uh, and we were watching music videos, uh, different hard rock music videos, mostly old style uh, from the 80s and stuff. And all of a sudden we were watching an Ozzy Osbourne video from the period when he was really he was really soft and did, did like ballad stuff. So it was some kind of... Uh, almost like a Rococo uh, style video. I can't remember which song it was, but it was a ballad and... So it, tired? Maybe. I think he's in, like in a ballroom by himself or something. Uh, yeah. I may be completely mis, uh, misremembering this. But anyway, it was a really... So Tired is basically a Beatles song that sits awkwardly in the middle of Bark at the Moon, but it's great. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> it it might have been that one. I mean, because it was... It was a, it was a soft ballad, and I could like feel the tension in the room when we were watching this. And some of the the guys were like, "Uh," and then one of them said, "Is this hard rock?" <laughs> so so there. But it was Aussie, so yeah. that that made it okay. But it was still somebody had to put up a flag and say, "Is this all right? <laughs> can we I think in, can we listen to this in 1987 ish?" You'd be hard pressed. It, I, I'd like to do an experiment and get like a bunch of metal kids with like Def Leppard shirts mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. some normal kids with Brian Adams, sure, yeah, fans, <laughs> and listen to the new song from either of these artists for ten seconds uh-huh. and tell me is this Brian Adams or Def Leppard? And no one would know. Ah. It's like ah, it's the one with the long hair. Oh, good, it's metal. <laughs> <laughs> exactly my point. Yes, there was a discussion on uh, my Facebook. Uh, my friend. Uh, who we both know, Niels, uh, he he posed a question, isn't My Chemical Romance actually a really heavy like metal band, if you listen? And, of course, he got a lot of replies being like, no, because they have their kind of image of, as being like an emo band, and, you know, they're kind of pretty, pretty boys, and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. But he was, like, digging his heels in. No, but listen to the riffs. Listen to how heavy this sounds, and so on. And some people had to be like, yeah, okay, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think when it comes to genre of music, image has so much to do with it, and it's weird because it's all this, it's sound. Yeah, it's sound, but it's it's sound doesn't really sell. It's it's marketing. 
Sure, uh, and uh, I'm just saying what what it actually is. I think to 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 become popular, it's more important to make yourself heard than to do something good nowadays. Whereas I'd say that late '60s, early '70s, um, record companies, of course. Pretty much, you had to be in a record company. You couldn't really self-release stuff. But the people at record companies were uh, genuinely interested in music and broadening the spectrum mm-hmm. and interested in new stuff. So, if the first record didn't sell and uh, they thought they had promise, they'd wait until the third one at least to drop the label. But then, uh, especially in the eighties, it was. I mean, since then, it's become uh, just for the money. Especially now, when people don't really buy records anymore. Mm, no. Uh they only go for the 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 money and not for the artistry. Mm. Uh, in general, I mean it's not like with every band and it's still like the the biggest artists are pro- ha- do have some some talent, I guess, mm. but mm. uh it was easier before to wade through all the shit mm. because a lot of what was released actually had some kind of quality. Mm, mm, yeah. <laughs> Whereas now, I think, or at least from the 80s, people started picking up on that. That's special. That can be sold rather than that. That's artistically mm, mm, interesting mm. or even catchy. Yeah. <laughs> Do you still buy records? Yeah. Mm. You're one of the few. I suppose so. Mm. I listen to Spotify and stuff and YouTube as well. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. Because it's very, it's there. It's yeah. available. Um, but vinyl or. Uh, outselling CDs now again, I heard, which is interesting. What do you think about that? The phenomenon or my views on on the formats? <laughs> I Both. Like, I, I like CDs. Uh, vinyls are uh, really expensive. Like if, if the thing is, I'm I'm not that into mainstream music. So so if I'm I want to buy a record, mm. quite likely I'll have to import it from America, mm. and then you have to pay like. $25 postage for, for a vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Which makes it probably, I don't know, if I haven't heard the band, I probably won't dish out $40 for a record I haven't heard. No. So in that case, it's, you know, it's pretty uh, good with CDs. Of course, the, and my record player isn't that great either, I have to say, but I'm not much of a sound nut. I like the format of vinyl because it's beautiful and it's bigger and it's sentimental in a way because yeah. it's what you started with. Mm. But I do think CDs are practical, and I, I also like the booklets. Okay, actually, sure, mm. they're little little mm. books with a CD. That's nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I felt that when I was uh, in my late teens because I had just started buying CDs. I, th- I, th- I think I was already sixteen when I bought my first CD, and I or my got my first CDs. Uh, and back then I was it was new to me so I was really into it but for some reason I mean this is the same with every kind of uh disc in that in that sense I haven't bought a DVD in a long time mm-hmm. uh I prefer to go to the cinema Yeah I I haven't bought a CD in a long time I do buy vinyl sometimes because it's it still feels like an artifact you know a, a thing I may not listen to them a lot. Uh, I can buy a, a vinyl record and still listen to those songs on Spotify because then I, you know, I won't uh, wear out the record or whatever. Yeah. But I have it, and I, I think it's nice to have that kind of thing. 
But for uh, I agree. Some years ago, maybe five, six or years years ago, or something like that, uh, it may be coinciding with that. I really didn't want to have too much stuff in my home, and you know, things that felt like they tied me down or something. Yeah. But for some reason, I I it started to feel old in a bad way to pop a disc into a player of any kind, and mm-hmm. in, instead of just streaming it from right. on the computer, that that felt fresh to me and for some reason vinyl also did but because hmm, i i didn't i never i had vinyl around me when i was a kid Mm. because my parents had some and uh, my sister had uh, maybe uh, some of it um but i i never owned any vinyls until i was 20 something when it started to come back and i was starting to be a a a bit of an early hipster in that way because i like oh cool to have a turntable maybe and mm. some vinyls so i started to do and it was so cheap back then I, yeah. you could get vinyls uh, used vinyls for nothing so that's what i started to do so yeah i'm not even sure i'm gonna pack, unpack my cds in my new place or even unpack my cd player uh, i'm mm. gonna keep them but uh, i think they're gonna be hidden away uh, yeah because all those songs are available online anyway and a pretty good, you know, it's pretty good sound on like Spotify. The Og Vorbis uh, format is 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 fine enough. Yeah, it's all right. Mm. But I'm not that much of a sound nut. No. Anyway, isn't that okay? It's not strange, but uh, it's maybe a bit unusual to be that into music that you are, but not be that much of a sound nut. I don't. I think. I think it's almost the opposite. I, I think you'll find people who have like hi-fi systems for 30,000 pounds have mm. like 20 records. Oh yeah, and they have the audio file records, yeah. the the ones that are supposed to be sounding good. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think you, it's almost adversary like that. I think if if you're into music, uh, for, yeah, shit, you're right, you're right. Uh, I, I totally I, agree. I I wouldn't say it's a general rule, but I don't think it's, no, it's, it's uncommon not, but, to have that. I I like tunes and uh it doesn't really matter if, if it's like an old blues guy from the 20s playing on a guitar on an old c- cylinder, so it sounds really mm. weird. Mm. Or or if it's the latest state of the art, it, it's, mm. it doesn't really matter. No, it's the soul of the thing, <laughs> yeah. rather, yeah. And also, I like, like, like I noticed you had a Tom Waits single here on yeah. the tur- turntable, mm. <laughs> which I have to brag and say, I have the double... <laughs> seven-inch version of that yeah i'm a, I'm, I'm a big tom waits fan but like the only one i know that's like bigger than me i think is you all so. right but anyway one of these magazines for like hi-fi world or whatever they're called mm-hmm. asked a bunch of people what their favorite way of listening to music was and most people would say like uh well vinyl of course or mm-hmm. by bang olufsen set or whatever mm-hmm. and 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 Tom Waits said the best way to hear music is from from an open window two blocks away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I I totally get what he he's about. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, I, and he, it's also, also some stuff is better if you come across it on an old like mixtape with his you've got. Yeah, yeah. It sounds better than the vinyl. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> he also said that he loves the sound of music or anything coming from an old transistor radio uh-huh. with one speaker. Yeah, because it's it's kind of like that nostalgia. A lot of people magic, this age but, have have that. Uh, well, of course, yeah. But I I totally get what he means. Like if he, I think he was was talking Absolutely, about even. Absolutely, but but it's not only the sound. It's like you have to crowd. 
crouched down in your bed under the you know under the blanket. Oh yeah, your parents wouldn't hear that you were listening to music in the uh, middle of the night. Sure, <laughs> or being a bunch of guys at the corner of a street listening yeah, to the, ba- the baseball game. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Uh, how would you say the bass became your primary instrument, if it is? Um, I probably spend more time playing the guitar because I'm. I've probably written songs more than I've rehearsed through, mm. through the years. Ah. But and I don't write on bass really. Um that's kind of difficult. What's the I don't know. Just haven't done it much. Mm. Um why did it become my primary instrument? I don't know if I can even remember. Maybe Venaria needed the bass player to be somebody and that no, happened I started to be you. Bass even started playing bass even before that. I think ah, okay. it was about uh, <clears throat> I think a band actually needed a bass player, and I went for it. Yeah, I think it's mm. as easy as that, mm. simple as that, really. Oh yeah. Also, when I I, uh, I bought my first like cheapo electric guitar when I was around like eleven or twelve or something, mm. and I noticed that I played a lot on the like top. I had the heavy strings mm. rather than. The high solos mm, or, or mm, recordings. Mm. I I preferred to play the low stuff. I would like detune mm. it a little, and mm. uh, you might as well play the bass. <laughs> so. Right, and it was easier. Also, get, with guitar, there's six strings. You have to make the chords. You actually have to make some sort of effort to learn. Like you have to put yeah. your fingers in this way, and they will sound good together. And I I have a short attention span, and I was I'm lazy, uh-huh, uh-huh. so. When I was that 12 years old with a bass, I didn't have to put two things together. I could just play it. Mm. I didn't have to spend time learning it. I could just, it was easy to pick up mm. whatever sure. I had to do to play the bass. So that was easier. That probably, mm. the path of least resistance, really. Yeah, but you still need the theory and it's a, a different really. skill. I've learned well, some theory afterwards just to to be able to speak to other half musicians. But, sure, yeah. But... Now a lot of my favorite musicians don't know what's a G chord. They play, no, but I don't know what it's called. No, no, yeah. So uh, sure, and you're kind of one of those in that way. Um, you're intuitive, intuitive yeah, player in, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So you just played until you knew what worked for what. Yeah. So you can hear it, hear it in your head. Even. Yeah. Like this needs to be sounding. I like assimilate. This way. Uh, st- yeah. Mm. Um, I'm a bit of a magpie that way, both playing and and. Uh, like mm. we talked about this earlier, like if you're talking to someone with sort of an Indian accent, so mm. let's say mm. it's almost you have to stop yourself not sounding like yeah, a caricature yeah. of that guy because you sort of mimic yeah. whatever you're doing. Yeah, and uh, I've always been able to sort of follow mm. easily with with, with music mm. Mm. if it's not too technical. Mm, yeah, mm. sure. So you were never any uh, like Jaco Pastorius uh, <laughs> type of guy. No, I haven't. Well, some people have have said that I'm, you know, fluent or or technical and fast and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you I, are. I I've seen it happen. But I've never <laughs> I've never thought about it. It's it's mm. just like, like I said. I enjoy playing in the in in terms of playing as a kid would play, mm. and you sort of step up your game after a while, no matter what you're doing, mm, yeah, uh, yeah. unless you know. Uh, so just do stuff a lot, and it probably gets a little better after a while, mm-hmm. even though you're not trying to, yeah. as long as you're having fun. Improve or, or stagnate. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I've said this to you before, but I I think your uh, your bass playing style is very melodic. Yeah. Uh, most of the time, I suppose it depends on what kind of thing you're playing, but um, and it's uh, not like it's because uh, this is going to sound negative. It's not like it's almost like it's fighting the the melody of the song or something because it's. I often play counter melodies. Yeah, yeah. You 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 play melodies that are so strong that they could almost be the lead melody themselves, and uh, and that that is so skillful and it's so. But sometimes cool, I, you know? I remove them for that reason because uh, they're annoying to the song. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, that's an interesting playing style and doesn't feel punk rock really i think it is punk rock that's uh-huh. that's the thing um and other people will not agree with this but uh punk rock is sort of so straight ahead and fast mm. that there's really no need for bass in the rhythm section as such because the drums sort of it's so static and fast and mm. controlled mm. Uh, that you've got the bass <clears throat> kick drum and and the bass just basically repeating that it's not adding to the rhythm so Uh. and the guitars are also probably usually just laying around chords Mm. so there's a lot of room in the middle between the the drums and the guitars to move both Mm. with the drums and also to add some melody or whatever that uh, in some other in a pop group they would probably use a keyboard to put like a counter thing on it but i can do that with my bass yeah so, uh, and I've, well, a lot of <clears throat> punk bands do that. Uh, hmm, okay. And also, like, when we started out, like I said, it wasn't this fabricated sort of uh, punk that you, you, that's fairly generic, like a band like the mm. Hardons, which I, which I really liked. I've, I've seen them like 20, 30 times mm. and played with them. And like, Ray never plays the same thing twice the songs are really easy it's like three chords but Mm. it's like improvising like a jazz player on top of that wow jazz punk is just fast yeah Mm. (laughs) interesting and same goes for the guitars huh well uh, what you just described seems like it's the opposite of what bass usually is because it usually is very simple and supposed to lay a foundation and for the other instruments to more noodle about yeah so it's sort of calling myself bass mic it's sort of wrong because i'm not actually playing the bass as, as such in the traditional sense no maybe but i actually i've started playing with some guys lately that have been uh, especially the, this drummer who i really really like and i've i've learned mm-hmm. <laughs> keep, keeping rhythm mm-hmm. and uh, not uh, venturing out too much from it and i'm enjoying that too but mm. it's uh it all depends on who you're playing with yeah I've never really had a solid drummer playing uh, slower music like that. Ah, uh-huh. okay. Or I've done that, mm. with, but I've played guitar and mm. whatever. But what you do is you play a four-string guitar in the lower register. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I suppose so, but it's not it's not exactly guitar playing either. No. Hmm. Well, it's bass playing. It's just not the uh, the usual. No, it's not the usual. I'm playing with it. Yep, <laughs> I'm not playing it. I'm you're playing you're unique. <laughs> you're doing your own thing. Um, so, um, where have you you guys been touring? <clears throat> We're mostly in Europe. We've been to Japan, Canada, and uh, Russia. Russia, and, and then it's mm. Europe. Yeah, mm. uh, all over Europe, over and over again. What was mm-hmm. the Russia experience like? Great. 
Well, and how did that come about? Did you know that you were you had sold a lot of records there, and or you were popular, so the the label sent you there? It's the way it always happens. Some some guy either they get in touch with our booking agency or they get in touch through Facebook with us and say that do you want to do some gigs and we work out the deal and mm. can we make it without losing too much money and mm. set some dates and then we go off. So, so someone okay. always expresses an interest in, in some way. Mm. Yeah, so we had no idea, but we got, uh, oh yeah, I missed the days of fan mail okay. uh, before the internet. <laughs> The funniest one was uh, in 96, I, I got a letter from East Java, <laughs> uh, where, where this guy who said he'd li- lived in a, an actual tree house, not a wooden house, <laughs> mm-hmm. all his life, uh, but they've now moved down to the ground and they've got electricity drawn in the house. And uh, a cousin of his had been sent to study in London and had mm. bought some CDs and a CD player and, mm. and uh, sent him. Mm. Uh, so he got 10 CDs and a CD player, and ours was the one he liked. Wow. <laughs> so ra- that, that's the definition of random almost. <laughs> You're what the East Javans like. <laughs> yeah, and when are you going to tour East Java? <laughs> uh, yeah. Probably not tomorrow. No, uh, that guy. Maybe if he gets some electricity drawn. That guy would show up <laughs> and maybe two, two more. <laughs> uh, yeah. Huh. But you said um, if you don't lose too much money. So you do you do go touring even if it costs you money. Yeah. Because it's fun and yeah. you, you want to expose yourself. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Huh. And it, I mean, most of the time we sort of recoup. Mm. But it, it's like I said, we got. Like careers and families, and and uh, we can't be away for months at a time. No, and we live in far off Sweden, meaning that there there will be like at least like eight hundred kilometers to the nearest gig. It's, you mm. have to take mm. the bridge and the ferries and the gas, and mm. most gigs aren't huge festivals or uh, you know big time gigs. No, we do no. play in, in like smaller type clubs. Yeah. So at a weekend, you get two or three gigs. We're probably like spread over a pretty big geographical area so there's a lot of lots of gas and other stuff and you have to take mm. a couple of days off work yeah so yeah, it's, sure. you know we, we go thing. down and we maybe we we recoup or we get like a uh, hundred quid back maybe uh, or, uh. Or, or something but uh usually we do it for fun and it's it's not a money-making exercise no <laughs> anyway. okay which is really too bad because these days when you don't sell any records basically uh my naivete was that uh, it was touring that p- musicians made money from. And it's maybe true when it comes to the really big ones because they make millions, but mm, it's I not true say, for small events. No. Well, well it, it, it's what they make money from. Of course, they make more money from having like 10 seconds of their song in a jingle or a TV. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's the bigger bands and they're always going to... You know, get ahead, of course, even more. Uh, it's the way it's always been. But hmm. what, what? Yeah, the, the assumption was that when music was free, more people would check out your stuff and come and see you live. Mm. But of course, people say music is for, for free. Why do we have to pay for it? Especially records, but also live stuff. Mm-hmm. I can listen for this for free at home. Why do I have to pay ten quid to to go and see you? So let, people let's really people think actually like that? go mm-hmm. to gigs as well, huh? I didn't know people th- thought like that actually, because uh, I think 
Well, again, it comes to being uh, more known artists, probably. Then, of course, most. So, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, yeah. like most of our what followers or, or fan base, mm. uh, since we sort of rose a little bit in the middle of the nineties, mm. uh, they're a bit older, so they will still come to gigs and some yeah, yeah. will buy records, but yeah. but you don't see a lot of like fifteen-year-olds or, or twenty-year-olds. No, like but, you did, like uh, until. Well. Just a couple of years ago, there would still be like the younger uh, part of the audience would be there, but they, mm. they're they not interested anymore, mm. it seems. It could also be that punk is out of fashion again. I have no idea. I think it may be exactly that, but also, I mean, 15-year-olds, they don't have a lot of money, even though they are considered to be one of those... The, you know the groups who pay money for records and stuff, or used to. Yeah, uh, they're not anymore because no. it's, now it's free, and it's they just don't see the point of paying for music at all. A lot of like a lot of, but uh, the, I mean the fifteen-year-olds I've or twenty-year-olds I've talked to about it mm. all have that, but but they're not music nuts. I mean, no. m- music mm-hmm. nuts will always you know find their way, but yeah. Uh, and records just became more and more expensive as well. Uh, yeah, of course. So. That's not very good when you're a teenager. Nope. You can buy one record maybe a month if you're lucky. Yeah, or That's... get everything for free. So what's the choice? Exactly, I mean... yeah. <laughs> uh, mm, and I, I guess that... Uh, I mean, teenagers still want to go to festivals and stuff and pay that oh, yeah. kind of huge chunks of money to go to a festival. But yeah. I, a lot of that is probably to party and get away from home and stuff mm-hmm. like that as well. Uh, and just happen to <laughs> watch some bands. Yeah. Uh, because if you you're into a big bigger artist the price to go to the actual concert is also pretty big it's uh, yeah. and I, I i i don't know many 15 year olds who can you know pay that shit uh, there's a lot of concerts i want to go to that i just don't because i feel that's just too steep of a price yeah me too mm. um but how do how does it work for you guys when you have been touring if you you're going to a club gig uh, do you get paid to do the gig, or do you get paid f- f- uh, something from every uh, attendant? Do you get uh, something from the door? Well, it, it depends. It's mostly, it's now that we we only have like two or three gigs. Mm. It's usually there's a set rate that we work out before we go, mm-hmm. uh, or uh, there's the potential to lose too much money. Mm. Um, like there was was one time in Brussels. Um, where there was, I, th- I think there was a, no, that wasn't actually a deal at the door, come to think of it. This was a long time ago, like 2097, maybe even. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah. I, anyway, uh, we sent a lot of posters over for them to sort of put out all, all over town. The, the owner of the club put up all the posters inside the club and then shut <laughs> the place down for a week. So when we played, we played for two people who just happened to pass by. What? Is that Venaria playing in mm. there? We had no idea. Mm-hmm. Who knew of you? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, it just ha- happened to pass by. Uh, no one else knew. <laughs> no advertising and put all the posters up inside the club. And we, you know, if we'd paid on the door mm. for that, <laughs> you know. No, yeah. That would so, be but yeah, he happily, he thought we were great. The owner, he was, he was rocking out. Uh, he, okay. So he paid us like, I don't know. 500 pounds or something for playing for those two people. Sure, but I guess you still were pretty pissed off at him from the marketing snafu. Yeah. Because you wanted to have people there to play. Yeah, for, well, so. not not so much that we, I mean, we had fun. Mm. But but mm. 
I know there were plenty of people in Brussels who would have wanted to come. Yeah, to yeah, like yeah. That. Oh. Well, okay, then they'll have to wait two years. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, I guess you guys are like, if there's an audience of one or two, you still play like at a hundred percent because it's still. A gig. Yeah, some of those have been the funniest gigs, actually. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, we have mm. fun rehearsing as well. Like I said, mm. it, it's playing. It's playing. Yeah, yeah. playing with people. Mm. Playing around. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Mm. And then if you go to a festival, uh, you get a set rate, and it's probably pretty high because they have a pretty good budget. Uh, budget, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Which Festi- festivals? Festivals you- are probably more lucrative on the whole. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But which festivals have you guys played? Ooh, uh, I have a pretty bad memory for festival names. I have to okay. say. Yeah. Uh, but lots. Maybe of- a bad memory from the, the festivals. Festivals, <laughs> I think, are in Holland and Belgium. They have so many of them from the biggest, like. Uh, Pink Pop and uh, mm. uh, Puckle Pop and Rose yeah. Rock and uh, uh, well millions. Every tiny village in in Belgium has a festival oh. every summer. Oh. I yeah, I like them. Uh, lots of them in Germany. Full Force, Ruhrpott. The Malmo Festival, actually. Yeah, we played the Malmo <laughs> Festival. Yeah, we played loads of festivals. Mm. I, there was one in Canada, Monsalvo. What was that called? I don't remember. Mm. Bad memory for names. All right. But do you remember the actual (laughs) happenings? It's not a blur. Some of it. You're not one of those musicians who uh, have like years missing from... (laughs) Not years. There'll be a week here and there. Yeah, okay. A week here and there. Shit. Yeah. But uh, the the things... On the Vans of the World Tour, uh, for the first and only time in my life, I was drunk for like five weeks. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's heavy. I would... There would be five bands playing, mm. and we were on a nightliner. Mm. So the gig would go on until one or two, and then would keep it going on the bus and mm. go to sleep at like six or seven in the morning. Wake up at five, mm. and you're in a new town, and there's a place set up, and yeah, there'd be yeah. an audience waiting. And okay, yeah. the band starts playing in an hour. Mm. All right, hit the bar again. Yeah. And do you have like alcohol on your rider? Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Sure, <laughs> but don't always drink though. No, oh, okay. Mm. <laughs> How is that playing uh, playing on stage drunk? Uh, I don't think I've ever done it actually. So, do you keep it together? Are those uh, gigs as good or better, worse? Oh, I think if you'd have to say like, ask anyone. How are you when you're drunk? Do you keep it together? Like sometimes you no. do, sometimes you don't. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't generally get too drunk uh, before the gig, mm. at least. <laughs> Maybe during. I think one time. Ninety-five, I think I fell into the drum kit. Oh, that's the only time. Uh, that's a crescendo. <laughs> yeah, well, I was twenty, and you know, f- sort of first tour, and mm. you know, we had fun. Yeah. Do you have any scars to prove? It? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> so you're drinking during the the gig sometimes. Yeah, I'll have work. a beer or two. Oh, I mean, that's yeah. no. I don't down a Jack Daniel's bottle or something oh, no. like that. Mm. <laughs> Just pleasant socializing, drinking. Mm. Yeah. All right. Uh, but the things you do remember, any uh, <laughs> fun stories from the road? I know you have them. <laughs> I do have them, but it's it's like t- asking a comedian say something funny, sort of. I, I, it's difficult yeah. to, to be, you know, when you're just sitting there chatting over a drink, you sort of come up with them, mm, but... Mm-hmm. It's hard on request. Like on on the Vans of the Wall tour, I decided uh, 
Well, the band, the five bands we were playing in Munich, I think, at this, this big entertainment complex, mm. uh, I think five stories with, uh, I think the punk gig was in the basement and then there was like a um, normal disco, whatever, or a bar, and then there was some dance club and and mm. found out on the top floor, there was these like leather armchairs, sort of English lounge style tahongas, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, smoking a, a cigar in the corner. Yeah. And uh, we only had the passes, the drink passes for our floor. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> and we were out of beer. Mm. So I tried all the other stories at the bars and there. No, you're on the ground floor. You can't have any. But on the top floor, they hadn't been notified, or at least the bartender didn't. So, okay. Mm. Uh, but, and they only had wine. It was a wine bar. And they only had wine and Jägermeister. So I, I ordered the bottle of Jägermeister. And I ha- had time to finish that before the, the van was rolling. Oh. And uh, <laughs> as we were rolling on the Autobahn in like 160 meters mm-hmm. per hour i decided to go bus surfing <laughs> <laughs> and our very always a good idea serious uh german driver peter when i climbed back in the bus he looked at in the rear view mirror and said you should not do that <laughs> <laughs> that was my telling off <laughs> <laughs> mm. germans and their sense of humor yeah <laughs> the other driver had two flies two zippers in his pants one on the left and one on the right that can't be practical for no, for any reason. But it was German style. Okay, unless... Leather pants with one zipper on the left thigh and one on the right thigh. Ah, uh, gotcha, yeah. So I, was... I guess it would be a flap if you open them both. It might be, yeah. If <laughs> if, if they're not attached to the, the belt area. Then, yeah. uh, I was just thinking, does he actually have two? Huh. But no. Yeah, there was Probably that. Not. Or uh, does he sort of stand sideways in front of... <laughs> <laughs> which means you can fit easily more easily and also means you can socialize at the urinal you yeah can face each other yeah. and pee on the left because we all love that it's yeah. so great to socialize at the urinal mm. Mm. <laughs> i was at a urinal once and uh of course we didn't say anything and we were i think we we're three guys in there and then one of the guys just turned to to us and went we never talk in here why don't we do that uh, be, be, because reasons like this, <laughs> like no, but and he started up a conversation, and uh, I've had that. I think it's it nice. was kind of interesting, yeah. <laughs> and uh, take the drama off, I guess. Yeah, mm. I don't know if it's the same all over the world though, or if it's just the Swedish thing where you don't talk to people on the bus either or on the train. Uh, like, yeah, you don't yeah, talk to sure. strangers at all. I don't, th- but I, I, I mean, I've been at urinals in different parts of the world, uh, but. Uh, uh, I think Japan it's... is interesting. They'll comment on you. Oh, in in the urinal? Oh, you European, very big. <laughs> no Seriously? <joke>. Yep. <laughs> so, so strange. Yeah, okay. you just went in Rome. It's like, oh, thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, what, what are you going to say? Yeah. You, you can't like, oh, and I see you're not so mm-hmm. small. <laughs> what? <laughs> yep. And uh, very interesting system. You take your your shoes off when you go into a restaurant. Oh, yeah. Uh, You get slippers. Mm. Uh, Going into the uh, toilet, there's uh, usually tiled and uh, all one level. Mm. The 
place you go and the place you walk is the same level. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, so you put, take off your slippers and there's a guy there handing you these weird clogs, which mm. consists of one piece of wood that's not very wide, mm. like two or three centimeters, with a big sort of plank on it, yeah. which ser- serves as a clog. And you, you have to sort of walk on those on the tiles, hope you don't fall off because it's wet. Yeah. And uh, that's his work, basically. He gives you these clogs. Uh, doesn't wear gloves, I noticed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then you go. If you don't go, he has a second uh, role. He starts to whistle to make it more comfortable for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, th- then you go and you give him back the clogs, which he accepts, again, without the gloves. Uh, hmm. and he, he bows, and you have to hold on to them and take a bow, and then you can release them, and uh, he'll bow again. Huh. Very interesting, Japan. Have you been? No, I haven't. You definitely uh, I want should. to sometimes, yeah. It is I, another world. Yeah, especially since I've heard uh, all these stories about it, so mm-hmm. it's it's really bananas in my mind. So I, I, I have to know by my, you know, from my own perspective, what it actually is, because a lot of these, you do. I mean, I mean, you you do hear a lot of like extreme stories, and it's just a small part. So mm. I mean, sometimes you you do believe that there's uh, a dispenser on every corner that has like la- ladies' underwear that are, that are used, but it's probably just one machine in the whole of Tokyo. You know, they're common in pubs. You'll get Co- them in pubs. Common in pubs. Yep, you'll get them um, next to the bathroom. All right. In pubs, and then I th- saw several. Okay. And it's not just underwear; it's uh, a used tissue, and uh, well, all these different mm-hmm. little things. Mm-hmm. And then there's this thing of uh, the people who have the job of squeezing people in on the subway. Uh, some people say that's happening. Some people say I've never seen that happen. It's just like a. I didn't see mi- it. No, it's like I a- believe it. Hmm. Well, I've a seen a video at, of it, but th- it's, th- there was a guy at the airport uh, stepping off the airplane, walking into a corridor. The corridor goes one way. No way to turn around unless you want to go back to the plane. At the end of the corridor, mm-hmm. there's a toll booth. One line, no other doors. In front of the line, there's a guy pointing at the line. Mm-hmm. Yep, that was his job. When we flew back a week yeah. after, he was there again, pointing at the line. Mm-hmm. Just so you know, here yeah. it is. But I mean, they've got, uh, it's, I think they pay like 3% tax or something. Wow. They like don't have a system for what happens if you don't work, so they just find work for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're yeah. old and you don't have... Like a family to support you, and you've somehow haven't done like harakiri because you haven't succeeded in business. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll just get a senior's job for you, which could be like in a, on a public street that's ten meters, ten meters long. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to smoke except for this cubicle of one meter at the end. Yeah. So you'll have a pensioner basically mm-hmm. patrolling the street. If you're lighting up a cigarette, they, he'll take you and drag you off to the to, to the to the square on the ground where you can smoke and you'll have like mm. on busy streets you've got like five or ten old people mm. looking for smokers and that's what they do hmm. and on the subway you get like one person to accept your money and the other guy gets you gives you the ticket so oh yeah mm. yeah they, they work it out mm, yeah <laughs> really work. work it out but it can't be very fulfilling those jobs but i, I i've heard about it and no, I've, I, I've seen I, it in- it's an alien 
country, yeah. and there's plenty of alienation, I'm sure. And you have people on the streets, uh, if there's a, a construction or something, and uh, it's sealed off with like traffic cones or something, there are people who have whose oh, yeah, jo- yeah, job yeah, it yeah. is to just point to the traffic cones yep. so you know that it's there. Mm-hmm. And he is dressed like an astronaut because he's <laughs> full, full on into it, like hard hat, reflex vest, everything. Yeah. Uh, mm. Fascinating. Yeah. And I've noticed, possibly because I'm a parking attendant, I, I, I noticed that like on a street in Tokyo, not only is it sort of difficult because it's not the same alphabet, but they can't, can't be you know faulted for that. Mm-hmm. But they don't actually numerize their houses. Uh, they do it chronologically. So on a big street, ah, you okay. get number one, and after number one, there's 2011. <laughs> so taxi drivers had to actually learn... The chronology of housing in Tokyo. Oh, that was built in 1960. So, uh, aren't they supposed to be practical in Japan? That's so unpractical. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and just uh. finding stuff there. Mm. It's a similar and thing. You actually got the address, except it's like ten stories up, and there's nothing in the lobby or the first floor that says. It's up there. You just have to. Oh, you just have to know. Just have to know. And there are like no windows. You get up into uh, like one of those skyscrapers. You're up on like the 16th floor. There are no windows, mm-hmm. and you just feel the whole thing shaking. Oh, creepy! Because if they had windows, people would see that the the tower would actually move like three or four meters when it's windy, mm-hmm. uh, and they would get seasick. So there's just no windows, and it's shaking all the time. No, you you would get and more. They're built on springs, the big because otherwise they would like they would break, break in, yeah, in yeah, earthquakes. But uh, they're actually moving, like yeah. But that doesn't make sense because you do you like get a flagpole in a storm. Well, you get seasick when you are moving around, but you can you can't see the horizon, so you don't know what's up or down. So it doesn't make sense not to have windows for the seasick. But these are reason. the Japanese we're talking about. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they're on the other side of the world, so they're kind of upside down. I get it, yeah. <laughs> it's the upside down world. <laughs> oh, oh, to be a bike messenger in Japan, that would be horrifying. And exciting. And exciting, probably, yeah. I've been to India, and the work situation is kind of similar, enough for those reasons, but just because there are so many. Mm-hmm. So any job, how, how menial the task may have been, there's always two people to do it. Yeah. And uh, example, like the same example, a uh, construction work in the road. Yeah. There are two people to just be in front of it to point the traffic away from yeah. the, the hole. Like, go there, go there. Like, yeah, Which I, is I, great. I, they always have someone to talk to. Yeah, sure. But uh, they can't be paid very much. Have you been to India? I have not. Okay, yeah. No reason to go there to gig. So, mm, no, I haven't thought about it. I no. think, uh, yeah. Well, a lot of people I know have been there, and some have been have been fascinated, and some horrified. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. That was a co- combination of that because yeah. uh, it was it was really nice to experience the country and see uh, all the beauty of it and stuff like that. But at the same time, it it's work because you have to experience the social injustice you, you pass street urchins mm-hmm. who who are living under a viaduct to go into a restaurant to spend your money and and the restaurant is a like luxury restaurant doesn't pay i don't have to pay much in swedish money 
to live in this like a live like a king. There's somebody in a uniform opening the door for me, but I just passed somebody who is eight and living on the street, and, and, yeah. and that that takes a toll on you. Well, that happens here as well. It's just not in the same ballpark. I mean, it's not no. the same numbers. No, but, I mean. It's so not that extreme social either. Social injustice is, uh, of course, international. <laughs> it's just that mm. it's more visible there, and it, it's yeah, and especially when it comes to the, there are so many children. But we're in shutting India. that shit out all the time. Everyone does. You can't just live and let that get to you. You you'd be depressed. Yeah. Yeah, 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 You yeah. just have to filter it out. I have to build a bit of a wall. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then you can mope about it, or write songs about it, or you know, let your frustration get out. You can actually do something politically, and you can help people out. But you, mm. you can't just let it keep you from experiencing stuff. Or no, no, you can't let that weigh you down or live with it every hour of every day. No, no. No, when we were told. I mean, you want to help these kids, but we were told not to give them any money. And uh, if you give them something, you have to give them something to eat and not something in a package. Mm -hmm. uh, open everything up so they actually have to deal with eating it uh, immediately and stuff. Otherwise, they would just go to the crime boss who like, forced them to work for them mm -hmm. and give them the money and stuff. So, so so if you want something to benefit the actual child, you have to give them something that, that they can uh, get in their mouth <laughs> immediately. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. But back to funnier stuff. <laughs> How is it to play in Japan? It's always fun to play. Uh, noticed a little bit of what other people have said about Japan that make a lot of noise during the songs and then... It's it's really fun trying to sort of see them lip sync with the songs mm. and sing along, even though they don't know English, because mm. whatever can come out, that's fun. And the, <laughs> but they're trying. And they shout a lot during the songs, and then it's finished, and it's complete silence. Like, no applause, no shout-outs for songs. They stand there in total rapture, waiting for you to say something mm. and bless them with your words mm. and being polite. Mm. They don't want to interrupt you until you play the next song and then they go bananas again, which is interesting. Wow, yeah. Uh, also, uh, in Japan, we played, uh, I don't know what this is, something that looked a bit like the Hard Rock Cafe, you know, like mm. one of those chain mm -hmm. uh, bars. Mm. It wasn't that, but... Uh, it had the same name, and it was on sort of the same floor, like on the 11th floor of some building in four or five different towns. Mm. And when we got to the new place on the second day, they had already taken our gear, put them on stage, which looked exactly like the day before. <laughs> Every mm -hmm. chord was in the same place. Wow. Every dial. Our, like I'd left an empty bottle on the stage. That was there <laughs> what? next to the amp. They just they'd taken a picture of the first place and they duplicated. But we want it like this. This is the way they put it because we did it the first oh, day and we yeah. just like we don't necessarily put the amps on the same place or, or no no e even you know the settings are the same. They can be ah oh, whatever. All right, but everything was completely and it was built like there was as many toothpicks on that counter as on the first counter. <laughs> and the third day, okay, we're here again today. What, what? Twilight Zone? That's sur uh, right surreal. <laughs> That's so surreal. Yeah, and some of the people in the audience also traveled, so and they, they saw basically they saw the same gig three times. Huh? 
<laughs> you didn't change the up same the place. Yeah, yeah. You didn't change up the set list or we anything. We didn't then. No. No. <laughs> or maybe we. I don't. I don't remember. To be honest, we usually change the set list a little. Yeah. I wonder what the reasoning is behind that. I mean, it must have like the system must have been worked out. When I'm thinking about the the bottle, for instance, like why would you want to have a half empty bottle of water? But maybe somebody was like superstitious or something, and uh, for that reason, no, like, they uh, they just got you know they they, they took a picture mm. and the order was it, it's the same as yesterday. Put it up the, the way it is, and they just take every detail. Hmm. But was this the same bottle they brought, or did they uh, take another one? And, probably and, the same bottle. I'm okay. not sure. I, I would just love it if somebody were grabbing a, the same brand of water bottle and there were a, new, a, emptying there were, it out. There were new towels. New towels. Okay. Uh, I give them that. Yeah. <laughs> but what if that were your favorite towel? <laughs> you can't play without your favorite without dirty towel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh man, I'm so high. <laughs> oh, weird. So I guess that's kind and of... And that was towels with, like, the band name embroidered on it and the words, like, punk rock holiday and, like, specially made towels. Nice. Oh, yeah. It was Japan. And I... I <laughs> they go with the extra mile. I bet you still have those towels. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah well, sure. I have one. No one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hmm. I would grab several and flog the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> what? So, since you... Oh, yeah, we went to the the... the a, a, a traditional karaoke house, in which isn't mm. the same as karaoke over here. No, no, because they've uh, they got little, little lounge rather than that one big room and mm. an actual audience. They've got little lounges with maybe one or two parties in them, yeah, and then yeah. and also the 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 Japanese section of the songbook, which predominantly what was sung. Mm. And what I noticed was following. Uh, Following the words on the screen and what they were they would they were singing, like English is cool in Japan. Mm. They don't necessarily know English, but they know that it's cool. Uh, so in every like Japanese song that they sang, every once in a while that there would be a, an English chant, and it could be whatever, like mm-hmm. I don't touch your lamp, 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 or <laughs> whatever English word, just repeat it, so it's cool. That was one of my mm. favorite bits of, of Japan, right. Yep. Didn't you play with a band who had a really strange English name as well? Was it like uh, Ice Cream Seven Showers? No. How oh, can you remember that? Yeah. Was that correct? Seven Showers. Damn, my memory sometimes. <laughs> wow. Yep. And what, what, why? Why that? You know. We asked them. Okay. Yeah. And? and the answer was, it's not ice cream like uh, ice cream. It's no. ice cream. Seven. And Seven Showers is nothing. <laughs> it's nothing <laughs> but it's something it came from something why why that oh yeah. it bothers me <laughs> yeah hmm. there was another Japanese band that liked our first records and, and again the fan mail they used to send us their demo cassettes and then CDs over the mail mm. <laughs> which was a lot of fun they were called uh, Stupid Plots <laughs> That's good. I like that. My favorite title of theirs was uh, He is Alligator. <laughs> mm? That was great. Yeah, I love it when it's a little bit grammatically incorrect. Mm. It makes it a little bit more funny. Mm. 
But uh, since you you are... There, there is many to choose between them. Was my favorite record of theirs. Very good record. <laughs> That's a stupid plot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm thinking of changing gears here. Uh, you... I mean, you are have been a musician on a pretty high level because you've been touring all with all uh, to all these places, and you've been in a band who's been around for so long, and you release a bunch of records and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But you still, you know, you and all the other members of the the band, you have other jobs, like you mentioned, you have like careers and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and uh, and other bands, and other bands, <laughs> yes, yes. So it's like a hobby at this point. Yeah. Um, but what would you say uh, to Somebody who would trying to be a full on musician, living, uh, living on their music today. Like, what what would you do? What would be your uh, advice? Well, firstly, I'm not in the position to give advice to anyone because I've I've never tried really to do that myself. Mm. So I don't know the comings and goings and and the failings or. The pitfalls. Okay, you, uh, and you don't see the obstacles, really, uh, or there's a reason you stay away from doing that. No, it's just I've I've n- never really tried to be a full time musician. I've, I've never mm. had that sort of. I've never had the faith to think that my stuff is so much better than everyone else's. Mm. I also don't have any like ghosts. Uh, I don't have any need to be seen in mm-hmm. that kind of way i don't I definitely don't want to be a celebrity and yeah. uh, uh seem yeah I, I don't see the need for that kind of exposure i i like writing the music and, and playing together mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh but the other stuff i'm not that interested in you don't, you don't so like marketing no yourself really, there's no real drive for that yeah you don't like marketing yourself really and stuff no, like that. no i'm not a marketer in any sense of the word mm. um oh yeah and i don't have these uh, i don't have anything that i feel the need to express about myself and i don't need mm-hmm. people to know about me i'm not that interesting uh it's storytelling and the creative process is not actually about myself mm. when i have personal problems in my life i can't write at all because I'm not uh-huh. writing about myself. Oh. If I'm if I'm in therapy or whatever, I don't write. Uh-huh. I need to be like a blank slate and be imaginative to write and okay. that then it's fun. Okay, okay, okay. I don't a lot, a lot of people I think write as sort of catharsis or something. Yeah, yeah, but I do I, that. That's the like the furthest from the truth for me. Okay. I find it really difficult to write if I'm under some kind of stress and I don't want to force my own experiences on anyone either Hmm. Uh, so I don't think I've well I have in the country band I've written a couple of songs from personal experience that was also that that had some biographical details in them yeah Uh, some for you know experiment and some because some of my favorite songwriters did that and I wanted to see if I could yeah yeah sure but uh, again some people close to me did take offense and uh, Uh I'm not interested in doing that Mm. Uh, and mm. also, I have not. I'm not interested in marketing myself in that way either. No, no. <laughs> Whereas I think a lot of artists, or at least frontmen and singers, have some sort of you know, 
the classical thing is they have this aggravation with their dad or something that mm, they need yeah. to get out of their system. They have they haven't been seen as a kid. You know, mm, I, yeah, yeah. I'm middle class. I didn't yeah. have those kind of problems. No, okay. <laughs> I'm doing it for fun because in Sweden you can. There's a system where you mm. know you're 10 years old and you want to start a band. The the government basically says, okay, you can have this little money and a rehearsal space. You go mm. and have your little band. Great. Mm. I didn't have to fight to do anything. Mm. So it's not. Uh, but if you are in that situation and you really want, I want to make it, I have something within me that needs to come out and I think it's great and it's better than everyone else's, mm-hmm. <clears throat> then my advice is just uh, don't do what you like and don't listen to what anyone else says because yeah. if you think you're getting better, then, you know, finally you're going to have some attention. You may not be... Mm. The, the biggest artist in the world, sales-wise, but at least you'll be happy with yourself. Yeah, and uh, you will build an audience uh, based on you being yourself. And uh, uh, Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I'd be happy with the audience of, of the guy in the treehouse. Yeah, uh, yeah. To me, that's amazing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, how, yeah. How is it possible it is that someone has heard, like, it's where the only Western hemisphere music he's liked. I mean, it's mm, just mm. mind-blowing. It is, yeah. And... Especially seeing myself as a music nut more than a, more than a musician. Like mm-hmm. I really get into the artists. I buy everything, mm. uh, find out about them, and like the the songs I love have you know influenced me and in, so profoundly mm. that if I do that for one person, I can almost not fathom that it's happening. Oh yeah, and that's yeah. important if someone yeah. really connects. Mm. Even if there's one guy and he hasn't bought the record, he's only heard it. Mm. But if he tells me that you know it, it's moved him in some way. Yeah, I mean that's that, then it's worth it. Yeah. Whereas other songs I've played just for my own amusement, and I think they're great, but I th- don't feel the need to. Okay, I'm going to make a record out of this. I'd say maybe my thirty best songs have not been released, maybe because mm-hmm. mm. I haven't found like there's not a niche for this. If I put this record out, this I'm gonna to have to do like solo gigs and drive around with my guitar and play in front of like mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. So I just no. keep the songs. You have to put the work in. <laughs> and there's yeah. always you know I can grow old and okay now I have this spare time I'll put them up on the internet and people can listen if they like. Yeah. <laughs> mm. But you said um, to force your uh, your own shit on people, but. Uh, isn't that why you like some artists you listen to? Like you can listen to their story and find um, find a support in that. Absolutely, but I have a. And that, that, that's why I wanted to try it finally with the country mm-hmm. band because it was a format that was more suited to to that oh, yeah, yeah. writing. I think. Yeah, yeah. But uh, absolutely, some of my favorite artists like uh, Loudon Wainwright the Third, who's my probably all time favorite writer. Mm. He's like, and he's got a autobiography coming out now that should be fantastic oh, yeah, by the yeah. way um yeah the the reason for that is that that he's so intensely personal that's one of the reasons but it's that's always pointed out with him but people don't really focus on uh, his turn of phrase as much anymore uh, and his way with language which is yeah his sense of style and the way the format in which he reveals these personal details uh, mm. are more interesting to me than the fact that they're uh, 
they're actually true, like based on a true story. Some people say that like, oh, you have to see that film. It's based on a true story. Mm. Like that's not an endorsement. For no, me. doesn't. If I hear doesn't that, matter. no, I'm, I'll stay away from it. Yeah, I want to hear something based on good, like storytelling, imagination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but he's had a tempestuous life with like wives mm. and divorces and, and kids, and mm. it's broken up and it'll. And, and this Oedipal thing with his mum and his dad. Uh, so there's been stuff to draw on. Mm. Uh, I haven't had those kind of experiences. Like I'm regular middle-class suburban Swedish guy, and I haven't had that sort of drama in my life. Okay. And yeah. okay, it's fine to write about your own experiences every once in a while. And I do, but I sort of mask them when I do. Ah. Uh. That's another thing. You could do that as well. Yeah. Try to make it general, but still make a point. I, I try to do oh, that. Yeah, when or I, 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 I put it in the, the words of a female narrator. Or oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Because the situation might be the same. And uh, Yeah, I, I do that when I write songs. Uh, sometimes sometimes I write in in the I kind of format, and sometimes I write like he, about he, but yeah. it, it may still be about me, uh, and sometimes it. But very rarely is it about me, though. I have to say. Yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> like uh, I said, when I, it's not cathartic for me, and I can't write about my own shit, my problems. No, as you were. No. Also, have a real hard time writing love songs because I think it's, mm-hmm. it sounds cheesy. Yeah, yeah. I've done it, but when I made it up, but when I'm actually in love and I want to write about it. Mm doesn't turn out well okay usually mm, mm. it's a problem for me i yeah. really admire like someone like Smokey robinson who can write a love song and make it sound intelligent mm, <laughs> but I, mm. I i can't yeah how about you well it's uh it's completely the opposite because i i like to write about my own pro- i like i write the best when i have had a, a shitty time uh, my, well, my, you like old blues as well. Yeah, I do. I do exactly. And <laughs> yeah. and, and my uh, my best song, uh, according to myself, is a uh, like a breakup uh, love song, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. longing kind of thing. You know, yeah. chronicling a relationship that has ended. But it's tricky to r- get things out because I really I want to get them out of me. You know, and sometimes I want to do that without actually writing something that's obvious that it's about a certain person. So trying to mask that it's about a certain situation and a certain person, if that person would to hear it and be like, what the fuck, this is about me. I don't really need, you know, I don't want what you said. I don't yeah. want to hurt anybody's feelings. I just want to, you know, process this stuff and get that out of there. Like, uh, this is an interesting situation, but how do I write this so it's not obviously about this situation and this person? It's um, it's walking uh, on a, a tightrope. Yeah, it's almost impossible to mask it for the person it's actually about, surely. Uh, yeah, and sometimes it's the other way around that people think hey, this is about me. No, actually, it isn't. Oh uh, yeah, that happens a lot. Of yeah, I, I, I've written several songs uh, that are about a certain person and a certain relationship, mm. but then I've written other songs that are about other people and other relationships. But m- many people I know was like, "Damn, you write a lot of songs about her." No, 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 no. Mm. <laughs> These threes are about different pe- other people yeah and not, or not even about me uh, and my situation it might be something else so, so sometimes i don't know if you found this like if you write songs that then many people want to assume that it's about you and yeah. your experiences and almost like can be upset with you like why, why did you write this why did you do that and uh, like it's not it's not me it's not my words it's not my story it's about 
a fictional character. Yeah, but the that's sort of singer songwriter genre has blurred the edges of that somewhat. I understand mm. why people would uh, make that mistake. Really, mm. I mean, before you know, Brill Building, Tilting, Tin Pan Alley. Mm. other people would write for a singer and mm. people would basically know that the singer had not written those words, yeah. even though they would believe them if he, you know, mm. delivered them in, a, in some sort of satisfactory way. Yeah. Then, uh, uh, well, early 70s, I would guess, California maybe is to blame. A lot of people <laughs> wanting to uh, get their angst out. And it was always the words of the singer in the the role the lead role in the songs and people would get the sort of guess that that's always the case mm. uh, from then on yeah california has to blame that was a good phrase <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> even if it's like really obvious like i've written songs from the perspective of a pedophile mm. uh where or from from like an old woman you know mm, it should mm. be easy to to <laughs> if they actually read the words or listen to them, mm. it should be obvious that it isn't me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just not a lot of the, view, the views. I mean, no one blames a writer for killing someone if he writes about a character killing someone, even though it says I in the text. Mm. But as Well, they do, though. You killed my character, you bastard. Like the, well, were, yeah, you killed my character. Yeah, 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 they yeah, were yeah, picketing yeah, outside of the uh, <laughs> Arthur, Arthur Conan Boyle's house when he killed Sherlock Holmes. Oh yeah, yeah, but 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 <laughs> when you're a singer and and it's almost like reading, uh, and I guess you can get that as an actor as well with some old people. My mum works like that sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't like to see you handling guns and pointing them at people. I, I had that kind of thing. <laughs> it's not me though. No, <laughs> it's not a real gun. <laughs> and like she won't like actors who played the bad guy in films uh-huh. oh, I, like, I don't like him mm-hmm. because those actors tend to always play bad guys because that's to their type so yeah, yeah that helps I'm one, no, of, I'm one of those I don't like him no, okay. yeah <laughs> but w- w- singing a song in the f- first uh, I mean singing I like something in a song people mm-hmm. tend to hear that mm-hmm. as truth yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's not actually written. You, no. you say it, yeah. and you mean it. Mm. And yes, I mean it, but I mean it as a narrator. Yeah, <laughs> and it's tricky to explain that before. Yeah, you don't you, want to you do, don't want to do that. Mm. You no. want people to believe it, of course. <laughs> you know, what, what's the point of writing a song if they don't believe the feelings of the narrator? Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to trick them in a way. I mean, it's the same with theater, or you you want to sort of get into the story, right? Mm-mm. But I don't think people have that kind of problems with any sort of songs that I write, anyway. But I, I but again, I can see why the why why they would think it's my uh, my own relationships I write about or whatever, because uh, that's mm. just what you assume. Assume, yeah, it's the tradition. Mm. You almost want to probably, and it must be more difficult with you having you know sort of writing more in that genre. People would mm. sort of read themselves into the parts a little bit, even yeah. if they're yeah close to you. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, like I said, I haven't released basically anything but uh i've still had it uh, had misunderstandings when i played stuff for people yeah. i know so yeah oh well on that note uh i still i can't convince you to play one of your songs would be a g- good way to to end it okie dokie i will do <laughs> 
I like to I like to detune some of my guitars since I my voice is kind of lower register, so sometimes it's easier just to take the capo off and then I'm oh, right. one one down. And I think I like the sound of acoustic guitars, uh, especially when they're detuned as well. The oh. kind of softer. Oh right, yeah, we're back from a small break where I had to write a song. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> it's very <laughs> impressive what just happened. By the way, uh, you, you wrote the entire entire chord structure. Right now, well, entire is four chords, <laughs> but sure, I choose which was. I wrote this song yesterday, sort of in my head, but I hadn't mm. picked up a guitar, so I needed to find out what chords it was. <laughs> but you had the melody, kind of. As, yeah, in most places. <laughs> All right, but I but I now added a midsection, which I want you to be part of. I've been told. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, take, we'll see. Take it it's, away. Uh, about an old mate of mine, he's now married with children, had loads of girlfriends before that, but once told me he'd never been in love. So, uh, thought, mm. hmm, that'd be interesting. Mm. <laughs> if you'd pop me the question, I assure you I wouldn't comply. Every time I believed in the promise of love Time has told me it's always a lie You would think that I'm some kind of sadist And maybe a masochist too To ignore the sting of every last fling And get back in the ring with you Get back Maybe I'm hooked on a feeling And maybe that feeling is real But I fear that I'm hooked on a heartache And that fear is hard to conceal Sometimes you ask what's the matter As you're reaching out for the bed light when I truthfully say everything is okay, you say, no, everything is just right. All right. If you think our bond can't be broken, why ask and what's more, what's the rush? I won't promise I love you forever. But I hope you're my last major crush No, I won't promise I'll love you forever But I hope you're my last major crush Woo! Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And that's it for us. Thanks for coming. Bye. Bye. Go. It's not on every podcast you hear somebody talking about getting fan mail from somebody from East Java and at the same time also have been getting compliments about their penis size and a urinal in Japan. So here we go. Uh, check out next episode, uh, which will be out in two weeks, when my guest will be someone else. Until then, just play. <laughs>